and welcome to Paddock Chat, a West Midlands group podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. Each episode, we delve into topics on the farming horizon and help you in the search for the answers needed to confidently navigate the future ahead. So let's dive into today's episode. So this episode has been recorded with our long-term sponsor, RSM. RSM provide a great deal of accounting assistance behind the scenes for us here at West Midlands Group. And as the executive officer, I find their knowledge and experience really valuable when it comes to, to getting our books right. So today I want to tap into a little bit more of this knowledge for the benefit of our listeners so that we can explore some of these changes in the asset depreciation methods that are due at the end of the 2022-23 financial year. This could have significant impacts on the farm business cash flow in the next three to five years if we don't address it now and if it's not well planned out. So it's time to pull up under a tree and have some paddock chat. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on the information provided in this podcast. And this podcast is being recorded in January of 2023. So Regan, could I just get you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your role at RSM? Yeah, thanks Nathan. So I'm Regan Manns and I'm the principal here in RSM in Durian Bay. I also spend quite a bit of time over in our Moore office as well. So servicing clients throughout the wheat belt, really. It's... Um, and so as principal, what does principal involve? Yeah, so as principal, I basically run the office here. So I still, you know, dealing with clients on a very regular basis. Got a really wide mix of clients. So helping clients prepare their end of year work, succession planning, and also tax planning, of course, as well. And so... Being an accountant isn't exactly the most glamorous job in the world. What's the most enjoyable part of the role for you? Yeah, so the most enjoyable part for me definitely is the relationships. So I really enjoy the fact that it's something where you get to catch up with the clients multiple times a year and it is a very long-lasting relationship pretty much the entire time clients are in business. So I've got clients that I've had since I started as a graduate right through until now and you get to watch as their business grows and you grow with them, and it's, yeah, very rewarding. I kind of know firsthand as well, our family accountant, I think, was with us for about three generations. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and it's always really nice to be able to have someone where you can form that relationship over that long term. So a few little out-of-the-box questions for you to, to uh, kind of get started. Who was your childhood hero and why were they? Oh, that's a good one. It's probably a little bit of a cliche, but my parents, I would say. (laughs) So growing up, they obviously ran their own business and farm as well. And I think it's probably almost in retrospect now, seeing what they've achieved over their lifetime. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what we're going to delve into today is looking a little bit around how we deal with our assets in farm businesses and more importantly, the depreciation side. So what I'll get Regan to do is just introduce you know, his thoughts on the topic and where the issue lies. And then I'll probably add some more. <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, I feel like we've been talking about depreciation for years. It's been an ever-changing topic. Uh, pretty much every budget for the last, several, last few years, certainly even before COVID, the government was constantly changing the instant write-off thresholds. So they started out at 1,000 and then they went up to 20,000 and 25 and they, they kept going up. And then when COVID hit, 
everything went a little bit crazy and they went up to 150,000 and then they got removed completely. So in recent years, there's actually been no limit to the full expensing. So if you've bought a new tractor for several hundred thousand dollars, you can fully expense it. So you claim 100% of the depreciation in the year in which you purchase it. It's been a very helpful tax planning tool for sure. There's been a lot of clients who've made most of it. But as it is currently standing, as we approach the end of June 2023, the legislation will mean that it reverts back to the original $1,000 write-off threshold. So this is sort of the last bite of the cherry, if you want to say. Um, But probably even more important than the timing of that, it's what's going to happen in the next five to ten years as clients look to trade in pieces of equipment. Because effectively what it's going to mean is at the 1st of July 2023, everyone's going to start the year with all their assets being worth nothing from a tax perspective if they've been using these rules. So obviously you could have opted out of them potentially, but most clients who who have been using them. And so in terms of those assets, what have you seen kind of coming through the books that farmers have been buying? Is it kind of one particular type of asset they've been buying or has it been varied? Uh, it's been really varied. I mean, I think a lot of farmers have really struggled understandably with supply chain issues. But I think there's been a lot of farmers who made the most of this full expensing and a couple of, you know, potentially quite good years as well for a lot of clients. So, you know, they've helped to sort of mitigate a good year by going and replacing some fairly expensive machinery, whether that's tractors, harvesters, some SP sprayers. But yeah, we've seen quite a lot of equipment being replaced over the last two years. Yeah. And I hear the shed manufacturers have done a right as well, that you know, a lot of sheds and yeah. you know, that capital infrastructure type things have been put up as well because they've been under that threshold. Yeah, that's exactly right. So normally sheds would be under a completely separate um, depreciation schedule. So they would be often depreciated over their useful life 40 years. They were also, especially farming sheds included. In some ways, they're actually the better assets to have picked for this because you're not going to sell a shed unless you're selling the farm, usually. It's not that often you pull a shed down and resell it. I mean, it does happen, but it's not the same as trading in a harvester or a tractor. Yeah. Yeah. And so really the, the conversation starts to narrow and focus now on on the impact of you know the machine you're know, buying and replacing machinery going forward. Correct. And that's where we see the big issue is the replacement of machinery moving forwards. So at the minute, so say before the 30th of June 2023, it's not such an issue if you go and trade in your harvester. So you sell your harvester for say it's a fairly new model you get 600,000, 500,000 for it. It's quite an expensive harvester. You go and buy a new one that's more expensive, it can be fully expensed in the current year. So essentially what happens is you get the tax depreciation is the difference, the trade-in between the two. That's fine, that happens before 30 June 2023. What we're now looking at is a situation where post 30 June 23, you could be trading in an asset, whether it's a harvester, tractor a truck whatever it is you could be trading it in and whatever you're receiving for that asset becomes income and because the instant write-off threshold is no longer there the new one that you're replacing it with you don't get the full depreciation up front so if it's over a thousand dollars then you'll only get 15 percent of the purchase price in that first year so there's a very distinct possibility that you'll go and trade a piece of equipment in 
and you'll actually end up in a position where you've got additional taxable income. Yep. And so if we can work through it in that first case, as the rules are now, if you if you buy a new harvester for, say, 600000 yep. and trade your old one in for, say, 400000 then the difference is 200000 and that's what you can write off as, Correct. as you depreciation. Correct. Ta- you would get a tax deduction for that $200,000. Yep. Uh, whereas if you used a scenario in a couple of years' time where those same figures apply, you're not going to get a $200,000 deduction. You're actually going to have to pay some tax. Yeah, and because so that four hundred thousand will be income. Yep, and then the six hundred thousand or whatever it is for the new one, you're only going to get fifteen percent of that as a tax deduction. Yeah, so all in all, you're going to have a lot of income. Correct. Added you're, on. you're actually adding to your tax position instead of usually you would trade in a piece of equipment with the idea being you're going to get a tax deduction, but there is a distinct possibility that you actually add to your taxable income instead. Yeah. And that's why we keep saying now it's, it's really important that you actually review what assets are being sold because there's also, to add a little bit of confusion, so when the instant write-off threshold was increased over time, if your asset exceeded the instant write-off threshold at time of purchase, it got added to the small business pool. Okay? So it wasn't fully expensed, but it was added into a pool where all your assets that were high, used to be high dollar value assets, so things like harvesters, tractors, self-propelled sprayers, they would all be in this pool. And you would claim 15% of any new assets in the first year, and then 30% every year after that. Yep. When the pool balance dropped below, so there's a, there was a test every year, and every year you would look at the assets that were in the small business pool and what their value was, and if that value dropped below the instant write-off threshold for that tax year, then the balance of the pool got claimed as a tax deduction. Okay. okay. So what happened was, as the instant write-off threshold increased over the years, you know, there were certain clients where 30,000, your pool balance might have been written off. Certainly a lot more clients, once the instant write-off threshold went to 150,000, there was a lot more clients that had the pool balance written off. Yep. Then it went unlimited. And basically that meant if you were using the small business rules, your whole pool balance got written off. Yeah. So it meant that there was a year where there was a substantial tax deduction, but it meant that all of those assets were effectively written off in that year. So moving forwards, they have no tax value. Yeah. The important distinction here is though that if an asset was added into the pool when you originally purchased it, the proceeds go back into the pool. So even if the pool balance is zero, the proceeds go into the pool. So say we use our same scenario of we've traded in a harvester, for example, we get $400,000 trade in, we add it back into the pool. So the pool's got currently, it's gone from $0 to essentially minus 400. Like it's got, it's actually got a positive value in there for, it would be income if we didn't buy something else. If we now buy our harvester for say $600,000 replacement one, that then also goes into the pool because the instant write-off threshold is a thousand. Anything over a thousand goes into the pool. That offsets the four hundred. So that's actually ideal. So we want to be where you're trading in assets. You've got to know was this asset when it was originally purchased allocated into the pool, or was it actually an immediate write-off or a fully expensed asset? Because fully expensed assets can't be offset against items which are added into the pool. Yeah. So I guess the key message there is that there are two methods. 
Correct. So it could be used and really in understanding your assets, you need to know which one you've been using. That's exactly right. The, The most important thing to understand is not all assets are going to be treated exactly the same way when you go to trade them in. So you need to be aware when you go to trade in a piece of equipment, you need to be aware when I bought this piece of equipment originally, was it allocated into the pool or was it fully expensed? Was it purchased during that period when, you know, and I mean, it might have been at the time of, especially the 150,000, you know, you might have purchased something like a, maybe it was a second hand tractor or something for 100,000 and at the time the instant write-off threshold was 150. So that would actually be a fully expensed asset. So when you sell it, the proceeds for that asset won't go into the pool, they'll be income. And so with the unlimited threshold for the last couple of years, is there a higher likelihood that equipment or assets would not have been put into the pool, that they just would have been expensed? That's exactly right. So once once the threshold was removed completely, if you were using small business rules, you couldn't add them to the pool. Because okay. you only add items to the pool once they exceed the instant yeah. write-off threshold. And we basically made the instant write-off threshold unlimited, yeah. so you can't exceed it. So you can't um, put anything in there. Yeah. So it doesn't matter even if you'd spent insane amounts of money, millions of dollars on a piece of equipment. It wouldn't be added to the pool, it would be fully expensed. Yep. So when you sell it, the proceeds won't go into the pool, they'll be income. And so that's kind of the magnifying Correct. force as well because instead of being able to put it back in the pool and kind of balance right. out, then it's fully expensed. Yeah. So that's why it's, it, the, the real key message is make sure you know what the, the asset you're trading in, make sure you know how it was treated from a tax perspective when you originally bought it. So you could refer, like go back to your accountant and ask them, ask for a tax depreciation schedule. They'll be able to give it to you. So that way you can plan when you're looking, okay, what pieces of equipment do I actually need to trade in? What ones do I need to upgrade? You can then go, okay, well, I need to do that piece of equipment, but I've also had a really good year. And I've, you know, if I trade that in, it's actually going to add to my taxable income. Whereas I have another piece of equipment that I also need to replace and that I can do and actually get a tax deduction because it was, it was pulled. So say I had a piece of equipment that I bought five to 10 years ago, that would have been pulled back then because the write-off thresholds were much lower so if I'm choosing between two pieces, of, like two assets to replace, I've got, you know, I want to get a new truck and I also want to get a new tractor, you know, they're both of similar level of importance to replace for the business. Yep. You now need to make the decision of, okay, what's going to be the tax impact of each? Because there's a distinct possibility, depending on when they were purchased, that trading in the truck is going to mean that I actually add to my taxable income, whereas trading in of the tractor will mean that I can reduce my taxable income. Yep. So if we look forward now into the future, what's sort of the best approach that we should be taking, that the farmer should be considering when, when they're looking at their new asset replacement? In terms of the best process moving forward, it's really step one, know what your assets are and how they were treated so that you're aware of it when it times to come, comes time to actually replacing them. Step two is can we restructure potentially? I mean, it very much depends on what structure you're in. But I know we've had a lot of clients who've been looking to restructure over the last few years so that they're in an entity or in a, their business is structured in such a way that if there is a huge spike in income due to trading in some of these assets, we can effectively manage that. So whether that's 
introducing a company into the structure potentially, that's definitely something we've seen a lot of. So that way, if you do happen to trade in a piece of equipment, because you have to, and that's a whole other topic. I've had a situation just recently where an insurance claim has meant that an asset was essentially forced disposal. So they had, it was an asset, high dollar value asset, we're talking a $400,000 insurance claim. It's forced disposal. So that essentially becomes income. And this is where you can sort of see, you need to be aware because depending mm. on when that happens, either your structure has to be able to accommodate for that in a tax effective way, or you need to act quickly to yeah, not end up with a really big tax bill. So really starting this whole process is really conversation we had well before you're even starting to think about, oh, wouldn't mind upgrading the tractor next year, I've had enough of it, or it's annoying me, or there's a better model out there. Really that first step is is sitting down with your accountant and making sure that you really understand what the impacts are going to be, because as you say, you really need to be strategic going forward. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, even whether it's the case that you just have that initial sit down where you just categorise what assets do I have now and which category do they fall into? Are they ones that were pulled when they were originally purchased and therefore I can trade them in and offset the sale proceeds against the new purchase or were they fully expensed and therefore they could potentially cause a big problem when I trade them in? So even if it's just sitting down, having that initial and listing it out and just having it handy so that when you go, oh, I really want to trade in that piece of equipment, is it going to cause a problem? And just thinking about it before you do it, because once it's happened, it's much harder to resolve. Yeah. And I guess the other thing we've seen overlaying another kind of lens or perspective on this on this whole topic is the last couple of years, especially in the West Midlands region, been pretty good years. A reasonable amount of disposable or higher amount of disposable income than normal. Has there been like a greater appetite and, and a lot more assets kind of turned over and upgraded? Oh, in that time period, which also is this, you know, where there was the uh, unlimited threshold for depreciation. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely been a huge appetite for it. So long as people can get their hands on the equipment, yep. there's been a huge demand. And, and a lot of it has been driven by the fact that we've had a combination of good years and then being able to fully expense the assets and have a huge increase in your tax deduction there has been really yeah, massive. So one of the big things that sticks out for me is that quite often on a farm you would have a, a schedule where you replace the harvester every three years, a tractor every three years, the boom spray every three years sort of thing and, and perhaps that would mean that you're replacing one piece of equipment every year and that kind of balances out the load a little bit on finances. But is there the potential now that, that there's been a huge upgrade all at once and so in time there'll be a whole lot of assets that will all be due for renewal at the same time? Yeah, there's definitely a distinct possibility of that. Um, there's been a bit of a rush where perhaps people have brought forward replacements that they had originally planned to do in a few years' time. They've sort of gone, I'll make the most of the instant write-off and do them now. So it's possible that there's been a bit of a break in that cycle, particularly because those assets have been brought forward and replaced in years where potentially there's been higher than average income Yep. Um, due to a good season or two. So, yeah, it is possible we've seen a bit of a break in that cycle. Whether it's permanent, it's hard to know at this point in time. And so one of the, one, one of the issues to consider from a, from a farm business perspective is that you know, rather than just jumping back into that three-year cycle is that some equipment might have to be held for an extra year or two 
just to get that cycle to work again rather than everything all coming up at once. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Or maybe looking at, you know, if you've got a piece of equipment, for example, that was fully expensed, so when you sell it, all the proceeds are going to be income and the new purchase is going to have to go into the pool. Maybe you need to lease the piece of equipment instead if the lease payment is going to be higher than the depreciation. So that way you can get a bit higher depreciation in the first instance to try and offset because obviously that first year when you trade the equipment in, the entire proceeds on the trade is income. Yep. So if you're only getting 15% of the purchase price as a deduction, that might not be enough to offset it. Whereas if you do a lease arrangement, perhaps then it will help soften that trading yep. position where you might be adding income when you don't want to. Yep. In terms of setting up an asset depreciation schedule and, and a replacement schedule, are there any more tips that you can give that we kind of haven't covered today? We've kind of walked around it, but in essence, if you've got a really well-structured depreciation schedule and replacement register that you would you'd be able to see more of these things kind of these issues coming up ahead yeah that's exactly right i think the main thing for people is they might already have a schedule a lot of people you know it might just even be up in their head you know they have it there but i think now particularly because there's the risk of creating income when you don't intend to it's something that probably does need to be put on paper yeah. if you haven't already and if it's already on paper Maybe you just need to add in as to whether that asset is in the pool or whether it was written off so that then you know at a quick glance and you can time your replacements accordingly. Yep. And, and I'll probably add on the end of that that this can get quite complicated and that's why I'm pretty happy to be working with RSM and uh, RSM sponsoring West Midlands Group, which they've done over a long period of time and that's helped us to work through a lot of equally similar complex issues uh, within the West Midlands group. You know, this whole area of depreciation changes often and changes very quickly. I know in my lifetime that I've, I've, I've seen three or four different variations of the you know, changes in, in thresholds and, and myself having a business nearly 15 years ago now, it's quite a long time, we took advantage of those being able to write down assets uh, very quickly as well. So is there anything else that we need to be aware of that's kind of would impact the, the, the way depreciation has been calculated? So there was potentially a period where your pool balance was being written off. And if you went and bought more assets during that period and you didn't actually need the depreciation, if you had a proactive accountant, they would have been opting you out of all the small business rules. So those assets weren't written off in that year. And that way, so say for example, you had the year in which your pool balance got written off, you got, for some clients, it might have been a seven-figure piece of depreciation. So a huge tax deduction. A lot of clients are threw them into a loss because it was so much depreciation. If in that same year you went and bought a new harvester, OSB Purveyor, or some sub, a substantial asset, and a proactive accountant in that situation may have actually opted you out of the small business rules so that that asset wasn't fully expensed or even claimed at a large rate that year and it was actually pulled in subsequent years. So then when you trade that asset in, in the future, proceeds go back into the pool. Instead of just writing it off, yeah. you know, it's things like that. It's, it's In the year, it actually makes very little difference potentially. It's in three to five years time that you're going to see the benefit from that having happened. Because, you know, in the current year, you're just going to be increasing a loss potentially. 
but in three to five years' time when you trade it in, if it's been pulled, you've got the ability to offset it. Whereas if it was written off, you've got a problem. Because it's sort of if people are still, you know, if you're still to finalise, for example, your 2020 returns, it's something to consider because, you know, it's a change that you can make now that might not actually have an impact, but it's going to have an impact in three to five years' time. Yeah. So I'd like to thank Regan today uh, for sharing his knowledge. I think it's been very valuable both for me and hopefully for our audience as well. There's just one last question that we like to finish with, and that is what keeps you interested in agriculture? I'm not specifically in agriculture in that I do work on lots of different industry groups, but I think it's probably my background. So growing up on a farm, whilst I'm not working directly in the industry now, I sort of can relate more to those clients in terms of the challenges they face, the seasonality of it all. And it makes for very interesting accounting work, particularly in terms of succession planning. Farming businesses are unlike any other kind of business. So So once again, West Midlands would like to thank RSM for their support over the years and look forward to working again with Regan in the coming year. So thanks, Regan, and look forward to working with you. Yeah, thanks, Nathan. Thanks for listening to this episode. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do. For more information, including how to become a member, visit our website where you can sign up at any time. Links can be found in the show notes. See you next time for some more paddock chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.